for the Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Second Corinthians five seventeen. We've been ministering on spirit, soul, and body. It's something we need to know. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we know Second Corinthians five seventeen. It's a simple passage of scripture, but most of us are very familiar with. And it says, therefore, if any man be what? In Christ, he's a what? He's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And it says, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And once again, we look at this, and we say, what does this mean? Amen. And we say that because we look at ourselves, and we notice there's some things in our lives that have not passed away. And there's some things in our lives that have not become new. And it says here, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? He says he is a what? New creature. Old things are what? Passed away. It says if you are truly born again, do I have any truly born again people in this room? Amen. Are you in Christ? He says old things have what? Old things are what? pass away. They're not going to pass away. They're not in the process of passing away. As far as God is concerned, it's a done deal. Old things are passed away right now. Behold, all things are new. Come on, not some things, not just the big things, but all things have what? Are become what? New. Come on, say I'm a brand new person. Come on, say I'm a completely brand new person. And we found out it's not talking about your physical body. And we found out it's not talking about your soul. We found out there's a third part of you, which is called your what? It's called your what? Spirit. And it's in the spirit that you become a what? Brand new person. You don't become a brand new person in your body, and you don't become a brand new person in your soul. That's why your body still has cravings. That's why you still have still crazy thoughts going through your mind. Oh, come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Amen. Because why? Come on, because why? Your body and your soul did not become brand new. Are you with me out here? What became brand new? It's your spirit. Now, last week, we began talking about the combination of grace and faith. And we found out grace is God's part and faith is our part. And once again, grace is the inevitable conclusion and destination of what I'm talking or talking or teaching you about of who you are in Christ, that's what it leads to. See, God's not dealing with you based on your physical person or your actions, thank God. Amen. Let me say it again. God's not dealing with you based on your physical person or your actions. Somebody should say thank God because some of us are kind of crazy and kind of goofy. Come on, say amen, somebody. He's dealing with you based on who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ, according to God, you're perfect. Your spirit man is perfect. The real you is what? A spirit. And as far as God is concerned, your spirit man is what? Perfect. We didn't say your body, and we didn't say your mind. What's perfect? Your spirit. So that means you ought to be able to receive healing. That means you ought to be able to receive deliverance. Come on, say amen, somebody. Prosperity and everything. Because why? In the spirit, you are perfect. Are you with me out here? You're as clean as a pure Jesus. Come back. Go to 1 John 4, 17 once again. Look what it says here. 
Herein is our love made what? Perfect that we have what? Boldness in the day of judgment because as who is, who's he? Jesus, as he is, so are we where? In heaven? In this world. Is he talking about your physical body? Is he talking about your soul and your mind? No, he's talking about what? He's talking about in your spirit as he is, so are we where? In this world. And once again, the problem is this. Some people take what we're talking about and they say, well, great. If that's the case, I don't have to do anything because why? It's all up to God. And it's all up to what he's already done. So I can just sit back and relax. Come on, say amen, somebody. Understanding there's two sides to this. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Somebody say there's two sides to the coin. Come on, say there's two sides to the coin. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, what's it say here? For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a what? It is, a, it is the gift of God. Now, we know there are many other scriptures that say the same thing. But once again, let me make this point. Grace alone will not save you. Grace alone will not save you. Why? Because grace is what God does. And faith is your response to what God does. And if you don't respond positively to God's grace, then grace cannot save you. Let me say that again. Grace is what who? Is what God does. Faith is what? Your response to what God does. And if you don't respond, Bond positively to God's grace, then grace cannot save you. You are saved by grace through faith. Are you with me out there? Grace is God's part. Are you with me out there? See, Jesus paid for the sins of the entire human race, and we talked about that last week, but you have to put faith in what God did. You have to do what? Put faith in what God did. Grace has come to everyone. Everyone has the same grace extended to them for salvation, but not everybody is saved. Because why? Not everybody responds to grace properly. And let me explain it again. Grace is whose part? God's part. Grace is something that is independent of you. Say it again. Grace is something that is independent of you. Well, once again, when did God extend his grace towards you? Well, look at John chapter 1, verse 14. When did God extend his grace towards you? John 1, 14 says, and the word was what? Made flesh and did what? Dwelt among us. And what happened? And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. Then in verse 16 or verse 17 it says, For the law, well verse 16, And of his fullness have we all what? Received. And grace, for grace, for the law was given by who? Moses. But grace and truth came by who? Came by who? Jesus Christ. Grace came through who? Jesus. 
How long ago was that? That was 2,000 years ago. See, you and I weren't even born again yet. We weren't even born yet, let alone born again. See, grace came before you did anything worthy. And see, God didn't look at you and say, no, they're so awesome. They just need a little help. So he responded to you because you were just such a great person. You were so beautiful. You were so awesome. He just had to have you. Once again, God loved you because he is love, not because you were lovely. Let me say it again. God loved you because he is love, not because some of you know because you was lovely, because you was definitely not lovely. Matter of fact, go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. <laughs> Glory to God. Some of you don't even want to remember B.C. Before Christ. Because you were definitely not lovely. Well, some of you are after Christ and you still ain't lovely. But so, let's go on. <laughs> Thank God we're saved by grace. Thank God our spirit man. And God ain't looking at my flesh. He's looking at my spirit. Come on, say amen, somebody. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He said, but God did what? He commended his love towards us in that while you were so good, that while you were so lovely, while you were serving in the church and you were doing all these perfect things and you was praising him and worshiping him all your life since you was a baby, No, it says God commended his love towards you while, while you were still out there partying. While you were still out there juveing. Smoking, drinking. Come on, say amen, somebody. Yet Christ still what? Died for you. Why? Because God's grace, thank God, God's grace is independent of you. Somebody needs to say, thank you, Jesus. And see, if you had to do something to earn God's grace, then it's not grace. Grace has been given to you 2,000 years ago through who? Through Jesus. Your sins were forgiven before you ever even committed a sin. Let me say it again. Your sins were forgiven before you, even, before you ever committed a sin. God commended his love towards you before you were even born. Come on, say amen, somebody. So that means God's love, God's healing, God's blessing, his prosperity, his joys, his peace, his power, come on, has zero, nada, to deal with you or what you have or have not done. It's by grace. Say your neighbors, by grace. What does that mean that everybody's walking in the fullness of God? No. Why? Because faith has to be added to God's grace. Let me say it again. Faith has to be what? Added to God's grace. Faith is our part. Without faith, listen to me closely, without faith, you don't unlock the power of grace. Let me say it again. Without faith, you don't unlock the power of grace. Well, how do you get faith? So if I have no word, 
I have no faith, therefore I cannot access his So if I go around never reading my Bible, never going to church, come on, say amen, somebody. Never hearing his word because faith only comes by what? It doesn't come any other way. You got to settle that. Faith does not come any other way. It only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because you can sit up and say I have faith all day long. I'm going to say how much word do you have? Yeah, you have natural faith because you sat in that chair. But that ain't the faith we're talking about. We're talking about a supernatural faith that's going to help you when you're in serious trouble. And you have nowhere to turn. And the only thing you're going to be able to depend on is the faith you have in God. But guess what? You don't know who God is. You never read your Bible. You don't know what he can do for you. You don't know what, what's available to you in grace. And that only comes by you what? Getting in the word of God and what? Getting that word in you, why? Because it's, it's my grace through what? Faith. I have to have the word of God to have faith to access everything that's provided to me by grace. So what is faith? And that's the question right now. What is faith? Because most of us, listen to me now, most of us believe faith is something you do in order to get a response from God. That's the people's mindset. Now, you may not say it that way, but that's what most people think faith is. Faith is something that you do to get God to move. Faith is something that you do to get God to move. And we'll even say things like, faith moves God. Come on, I'm pretty sure I've said that before. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because why? It's a common faith statement. But it is technically wrong. Faith doesn't move God. God is moved by grace, independent of you. Let me say it again. Faith doesn't move God. God is moved by what? Grace, independent of you. Listen to me closely. Faith doesn't move God. Faith doesn't move God. Well, what does faith do? Faith moves me into a position to where God is. Let me say it again. Faith moves me into a position to where God is. Here's a simple definition of faith. Faith is my positive response to what God has already done by grace. Let me say it again. Faith is what is my positive response to what God has already done by what? Grace. Faith, listen, faith doesn't cause a response from God. Faith is my response to God. Are you listening to me? Go to Luke 6.38. Once again, faith doesn't cause a response from God. Faith is my response to God. And once again, this is what we're talking about during offering. Because some people think when they read Luke 6.38, 
And it says, give and it shall be what? Given unto you how? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be what? It shall be with it, it, that you meet, whether it shall be measured to you what? Again. So people's thinking is, so when I give, God responds to me. No. Because what? God has already commanded a blessing upon me already. He's already spoken it over you, but guess what? You got to believe in order to what? Receive. How do you believe that you're blessed? Well, if you're, put, if you're, you're a person sitting there and you're saying, well, I need every penny I got in my pocket right now. God, I need some more. So I can't give. I can't even afford to give. And see, you can say what you want to. You can say, I'm trusting in God. But if you keep it all and you don't follow his instructions when it comes to giving, and he promised when you give, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you don't do that, you can say what you want, but you do not trust God. And you do not believe what God has provided by grace. He's already put a blessing on you, folks. But your giving doesn't make God do anything because why? God has already commanded his blessing upon you. And see, faith is like the door that you open to enter into this room where all of these things are. Come on, are you with me out here? Faith is your positive response to what God has already provided by grace. So when I give, it's my what? My positive response to the riches God has already made available. Now, if you pervert this and you get to where faith is something you do to get God to move, you're not in faith anymore. You're at that point, you're in law. At that point, you're in legalism. Come on, say amen, somebody. If you're giving and saying, God, I gave you $100, So you owe me 10,000 based on Mark 11, Mark chapter 10. You owe me a hundredfold. Where's it at? You ain't going to receive nothing. Because why? God doesn't owe you anything for one thing. Come on, say amen, somebody. But faith is just your what? Your positive response to God. Your what? Your positive response to God. When I give, I put myself in position to receive what God has already provided. The good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Are you following me out here? Well, here's another way of saying it. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. If God hasn't already provided it by grace, your faith can't make it happen. Let me say it again. If God hasn't provided it by grace, your faith cannot make it happen. And there's a lots of people who have heard teachings on faith, and they leave out saying, I'm going to make God move. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. Come on. And nothing ever happened because why? You can't make God move. I don't care how much fasting you do. How much praying you do, you cannot make God 
move, even when it comes to all-night prayer. People come and thinking, we're going to call down fire down from heaven. We're going to cause a revival to come. And it doesn't work that way because why? I can't make God move. Tell you, you can't make God move. And that's not what we're doing. Now, me and myself, I had to readjust some things and just come in looking in my spirit and flowing with what he wants me to pray. Why? See, my prayer is I just want to pray what you want me to pray, and I only want to say what I hear you say. See, God wants revival more than you want revival. So you don't have to plead to God. Plead with God and say, God, please pour out your spirit. Well, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14, because that's what people do. They're pleading with God, God, pour out of your spirit. We want your spirit now. Come, God, come like he ain't here already. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Are you with me out here? You don't have to plead with God and ask him to pour out his spirit. Look what it says there. Acts 2, 14, but Peter standing up with the what? 11, what did he do? He lifted up his voice and said to them, unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you all and hearken to my what? Words. That these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing that it is but what? The third hour of the day. But this is that. Somebody say, this is that. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the what? Last day, saith God, I will what? Pour out of my spirit upon what? All flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young man shall see vision. Your old man shall dream dreams. I'm in between, so I get both. <laughs> come on, say amen, somebody. But how long ago did this happen? That's 2,000 years ago. If it happened 2,000 years ago, why are we asking God to do something he did 2,000 years ago? See, it's not God who's not pouring out of his spirit. It is us not doing what he told us to do. Mark 6, 15, what did he tell us to do? Once again, it's not God who's not pouring out his spirit. It is us not doing what he told us to do. Mark 16, 15, what did he tell us to do? He said unto them, do what? He said what? Go ye where? Into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel to what? Every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be what? Saved. He that believeth not shall be what? Damned. And it says, and these signs shall what? So what? Follow them that what? Believe. In my name they shall cast out devil. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not what? Hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall what? Recover. He told you to go preach the gospel. He told you to lay hands on the sick. But think about it. Be real. How many men actually witness to anybody? How many men actually witness to anybody? How many men do we have going to the hospitals and laying hands on the sick? 
Oh, I'm preaching good in here. How many men do we have going out with the SWAT team? And see, for some reason, men think so winning is just for the women. I'm preaching good in here. When he said this, he was primarily talking to men. He was talking to the apostles. See, these signs follow them that believe. That's men and women. There's no specific gender attached to that. See, we're praying and asking God to pour out your spirit, Lord. Oh, God, move. And he's saying, you move. He's saying, I follow you. These signs follow you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And ladies, you're not off the hook either. Because there's only a few ladies that actually go out soul winning on a consistent basis. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Y'all thought I was just going to talk about the men? Don't you know I'm an equal opportunity employer? <laughs> There's more than five women that, that need to be gone here soul winning. Come on. And there's only a few ladies that actually go out, go out with a purpose in the mind to lay hands on the sick. Oh, Lord. These signs follow you. They follow you. Look at verse 19. So then after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was what? Received up into heaven and sat at what? At the right hand of God. And what did they do? They did what? They sat down and let the preacher preach and go home and eat their Johnny Cook and Johnny Cakes and fried fish and go to work, come back home, watch a little TV, get back up, do the same routine over and over again, never saying anything to anybody about Jesus, never witness to anybody, not even saying anything about what God has done to them or God's done for them in their lives. No, it says here, it says, and they, after he spoke to them, he received them to heaven, and they went forth, and they did what? They did what? Did they wash their car on Saturday? Did they make sure that everything else is the laundry? I, I got laundry. I can't be going out there witnessing nobody. I got laundry to do. It says they went forth and they what? Preach everywhere. And what happened? The Lord doing what? Working with them and doing what? Confirming the word with what? Signs following. The Lord was working with them as they went. Come on, say amen, somebody. He confirmed the word with signs following, following them, following them, following them as they went. We need more soul winners, folks. Don't you realize we're in the last days with the, with the, with the word of, where the Lord came forth? We're in the last days. It would be a sad case that you're up there in heaven and you look down the pit of hell and there was somebody in the pit of hell that you worked beside all your life and you said nothing to them. Are you listening to me out there? Go to Mark eleven twenty three. 
The problem is we don't know our authority. We don't know our authority, especially men. We don't know our authority. God has given us authority, folks. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. It says, And verily I say unto you that whosoever shall what? Say unto this mountain, Be thou what? Removed and be thou what? Cast into the sea and shall not what? Doubt in his heart, but shall receive that those, those but shall believe that those things which he says shall what? Come to pass. He shall what? He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you that what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now there was a woman in Arlington, Texas that started a Bible school. And in this Bible school, this is one of their major scriptures that they use that you could have whatsoever you say. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall what? So this woman desired for Kenneth Copeland to be her husband. The only problem was Kenneth Copeland was married to Gloria. So the way that they dealt with this is that she cursed Gloria and commanded Gloria to die. Then she had a wedding. She actually had a wedding ceremony wearing a wedding dress with a banner saying, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. She had a wedding and married Kenneth Copeland in the spirit. And of course, Kenneth Copeland wasn't there. But she married Kenneth Copeland in the spirit and waited on Gloria to die. That was 30 years ago. Gloria is still alive. Now most of us say, that's not right. And why not? Doesn't it say, whatsoever? So why can't you just claim somebody as your mate? We say, that's not right. Well, why isn't it? Don't it say, what things, whoever you desire, when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall what? Have them? Well, here's the answer. Faith does not make God do anything. It doesn't matter how strongly you believe it. Faith doesn't make God do anything. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. And God did not provide death. God did not provide murder. God did not provide adultery in his atonement, so your faith cannot appropriate it. Come on, are you with me out here? Faith can only appropriate what God has already provided. That's why you cannot take Mark eleven twenty four 24 and say, I confess with my mouth, and I have a belief in my heart that I can rob a bank and get away with a million dollars. Because why? Because I confess it, and I believe it, and I shall have it. It won't work because why? God didn't provide that for you in the atonement. And this is why somebody that has been praying and believing God to win the lottery. (laughs) 
or when publish your house or clearing house. And you got a nerve to say, I'm using my faith when I buy this ticket. It'll never happen because why? Gambling is not God's system. Did you hear me? Gambling, don't, don't, don't go home, don't get in the car and clear all your tickets on the bottom of your chair or your car, you know. <laughs> gambling is not God's system. God does not rig gambling. God does not rig the lottery. God does not rig raffles and cockfighting and dogfighting or horse races. You can never use your faith and make God supply your lust. Matter of fact, look at James 4.3. You can never use your faith and make God supply your lust. James 4.3. He says, you what? You ask and receive not because what? You ask amiss. That you may what? Consume it upon your lust. God did not provide for your lust, folks. God did not provide for your adultery. And God didn't even provide for your desire for a brand new car. Yes, he'll provide for your needs. But you can't covet other people's things. Come on. You can't just go out and start naming and claiming all these things. Now, God is not cheap. He's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. So he doesn't mind you having good things. But what I'm saying, it's your heart attitude. If you were out trying to lavish things on your lust, your faith is not going to work. Come on, are you with me out here? Faith only what? Faith only appropriates what God has already provided. And if that's true, which it is, then this takes a struggle out of faith. Faith is not something that I'm trying to get God to move. Say it again. Faith is not something that I'm trying to do to get God to move. This is why if, if the average person prays for healing and you don't see your healing manifest, what do you do? What you do is you call the prayer chain to get 100 people to pray. And if that doesn't work, you put it on the Internet and get 1,000 people to pray. And you, you just put it so, and you're thinking, I'm putting, we're going to put all this pressure on God that he's got to heal me. That's the logic behind that. If I get 100 people to pray, if I get 1,000 people to pray, it's God's got to do something, and it's wrong. Why? Because you don't need to pressure God. God wants to heal you more than, he, more than you want to be healed. Come on, say amen, somebody. And if you're not healed, it's not, it's not God who's not, has his arms folded and said, I ain't doing it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Again, talking about prayer revival, praying for revival. Now, I'm for revival, and we need revival. We need revival in this nation. Come on, say amen, somebody. We need people that are passionate about God, but the way we get it isn't to beg God. 
Oh, God, pour out your spirit. And the mindset sets a picture that God is up there with his arm folded, saying, I'm ticked off at y'all. You rebellious people. You kick prayer out of your schools. You now have legalized gay marriage. You're making your children accept transgender. I'm not going to move unless you get another million people to beg me. Unless you get enough people repenting and grabbing in the dirt, I'm not moving. And that's the kind of mindset that people have. Come on, are you with me out there? But you see, God is like this. We read where God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. Am I right or wrong? Matter of fact, go back there. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts 2, 17. Let's read it again. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will what? Pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh and your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy and young men shall what? See vision and your old man shall what? Dream dreams and all my servants and all my handmaids I will what? Pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall what? Prophesy. Now look at verse 38, chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be what? Baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the what? Gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto who? You and to your what? Children to all that are what? Afar off, any, even as many as are what? As the Lord our God shall call. God hasn't ever taken his spirit back. God hasn't ever taken his spirit back. God has his arms out, folks. He's not mad, and he's not restricting the flow of his Holy Spirit. Get that. It is us who are restricting the flow of the Holy Spirit. We're in our prayer closets asking God to do what he told us to do. He told us to go into all the world. Didn't we read that? And do what? Preach the gospel. And there are people in here that are praying for their neighbors, praying for their coworkers, praying for them to be saved, but you wouldn't even speak to them about Jesus if your life depended upon it. Mm, getting quiet in Presbyterian church. Why? Because they may roll, me up, roll their eyes at me. And say, oh, you're one of those. So we wouldn't even pray. We wouldn't even say nothing to that person. Come on. Say nothing to Jesus. Nothing about Jesus to that person. But we want them saved. We're in our prayer, God, Lord, save that old heathen boss that I have. But you wouldn't say a word to them about Jesus. Go to 1 Peter 1.23. Why? Because you're afraid of their response to you. They might reject you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. So what you worried about? Because you worried about what they're going to think about. Oh, you one of them holy rollers. Oh, I know who you are. Paul said, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is the power unto salvation. First Peter 1.23, it says, being born, being what? Born again, not of what? Corruptible seed, but of what? Incorruptible by the what? Word of God, which what? 
liveth and abideth forever. That word seed here is the Greek word spora. And spora is the derivative of sperma. It's talking about sperm in the same way when a person has to have sperm implanted in a woman to have a child. See, you can't get people born again without the seed of the word of God, and the word of God is sperm. Come on, say amen, somebody. Yet there are people that are praying for somebody to be saved, but you wouldn't dare speak to them and sow the seed. Then you wonder why, God, why aren't you moving? It's because nobody's doing what he told us to do. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. The church needs to stand up and start sowing the seed and making statements about the direction the nation is going in. Yet there are even preachers that say, we're not going to say anything. We're just going to preach the love of God. And we're not going to make a stand on the moral issue. And if we don't sow the seed, folks, I guarantee you the world is not going to back down. The world is not, listen, the world is not going to quit preaching and stand preaching their bad news gospel. Come on. And if we don't stand up and say what's right, if we don't stand up and say what's right, who's going to speak it and who's going to sow the seed? Who? The world? No, who has a seed? We do. See, we're in the mess we're in because the church hasn't taken a stand. The question is, are we going to wait until predators use this transgender bathroom issue to molest our children, then say something? Because that's what's going to happen. Because that's what's going to happen. When that man is in there in the girl's bathroom, Saying I'm a man, I'm a woman, but really he's really a man. But who who are you to say uh, any different? So you gonna wait till this molesting your children? Just say something. We know we're coming against transgender bathroom, but it was too late then. So we're praying, oh God, pour out your spirit. Oh God, save this person. Oh God, stop this homosexual agenda. See, the reason we're not seeing revival is not because God is ticked off. It's not, listen, it's not going to move until God gets his meat. Get, let's, it's not because God can't move until he gets a million people doing something, praying. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's because people, and especially men, are not out here doing what he told us to do. He told you to heal the sick. He told you to cleanse the leopard. He told you to raise the dead and cast out devil. You go raise somebody from the dead and you'll, you'll have a revival you can't handle. But the devil got Christians in their prayer closet. And I'm not against prayer, as you know, because why we pray. But what I'm saying is prayer without action. Prayer without action. You can't just pray, pray, pray and do nothing. Go to James 2.20. We talked about this Wednesday night. We do have Wednesday night service, y'all. Some of you have never been to Wednesday night service. 
We do have Wednesday night service. James 2.20. It said, but wilt thou, know, wilt thou know, O vain man, that what? Faith without works is what? Without, faith without works is what? Look at verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is what? Dead also. What happens to the body when the spirit departs? It's what? It's dead. There's no longer a life-sustaining force in that body, right or wrong. Why? Because your spirit is a life-sustaining force that keeps your body alive. What well, says here, faith without what? Corresponding action is the same way. Without corresponding action, your faith is dead. You can have all the faith in the world. If you don't do nothing, ain't nothing going to happen. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. The corresponding action is the life force that keeps your faith alive. Without corresponding action, your faith will go feeble and it will just die out. And we're asking God to pour out your spirit. Oh, God, pour out your spirit. And God is praying that you will move. Amen. Why? Faith is our positive response. It appropriates what God has already done. And if you don't understand it, come on. If, and if you understand this, not get it right. If you understand this, what happened is it'll take the struggle out of your faith. Why? Because I'm no longer trying to make God do anything. Amen. Faith, listen to this, tell your neighbor, faith. faith. Faith is more accurately described as resting in the Lord. Turn to Hebrews 4.9. Faith is more accurately described as resting in the Lord. Hebrews 4.9. Are y'all still with me out there? It says, there remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. Are you the people of God? Amen. For he that entered into his rest, he also what? He did what? Seized on his own works as God did his. Then he says, let us what? Let us labor therefore to do what? Enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of what? Unbelief, like the children of Israel did, amen, in the wilderness. But he said, let us what? Labor. Now, this is confusing to most people. Why? Because how do you labor to rest? If you want to physically rest, you go lay in the bed. You don't labor to rest. You just lay your butt down and you rest. Kick your feet up and you rest. But in the Christian life, it takes a lot of effort to rest. You have to labor to rest. Why? Because when your natural circumstances are telling you you're going to lose everything, when you're going to be foreclosed on, or your car is going to be repossessed, or you're going to fear, it takes effort for you to just sit there and be at peace and say, Father, I'm casting all of my care upon you, so I'm resting. That takes laboring. It takes a lot of effort to rest. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, faith is resting 
in the grace of God. The doctor says you're going to die. And instead of you falling apart like a $2 suitcase, you just begin to say, Father, I thank you because before all this ever happened, you knew it was going to happen. And you already provided for this. Come on, say amen, somebody. I already have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. By your stripes, I was healed 2,000 years ago. This didn't take you by surprise, God. I already got it covered, and I know you're going to deal with it, and I'm resting in you. It takes faith to rest. You have to labor to what? To rest. You have to labor to what? Rest. Let me give you a synopsis of everything we've been talking about. Over in Genesis, the Lord spoke everything into existence. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be dry land. God said, let the earth bring forth fruit. Amen? And the way that he spoke it is really significant. Are you with me out here? Because why? He didn't say, let there be trees. Let there be grass. Let there be animals. He didn't say that. If he would have said that, then when those trees and animals died, he would have had to create new trees, new grass, and new animals. Y'all with me, right? But if you study it closely, look at Genesis 1.11. It is saying, God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed. And let the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind and whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, the tree yielding fruit whose Seed was what? Was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was what? Good. He spoke to the animals and said what? Be fruitful and multiply. He spoke to us and said what? Be fruitful and multiply. God gave his creation every living thing on this planet. He's spoken in a way, come on, he's spoken in a way that he planted in us and in every living thing the ability to procreate. See, the Lord didn't wake up this morning and say, let a million, let there be a million cows to replace all the ones that were going, that were going to be killed by you meat lovers. God has never created anything since creation. When it says in Genesis 2.1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, were what? Finished, and all the what? Host of them. And on the seventh day, God what? Ended his work which he had made, and he what? Rested on the seventh day from all his what? Work which he had what? Made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified because why? That in it he had what? Rested from all his work which God created and made. 
When we read that, sometimes we think God was tired. This doesn't mean that he was tired, folks. Matter of fact, Isaiah 40, 28 tells us, Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary. He don't get tired. God wasn't tired, folks. It wasn't like if he created one more moon, he's going to pass out. It was rest. It's rest like when you painted a picture. Brother Barry would know about this. When you painted a picture and you done it so perfectly that if you added one more breast stroke, you're going to mess up the whole thing. Amen. Or it's like a lawyer and he says, I rest my case. It's not because he's worn out from talking. It's because what? He said everything that he had to say, he's through, it's complete, so I what? Rest my case. God rested because why? He had created creation so perfectly that there was nothing left to do. Think about this. We were his crowning jewel. We were. We were the crowning jewel of his creation. Well, why didn't he create us first? We were crying. Why didn't he create us first? Did you know if he would have created us first, we would have had to tread water until the land popped up? <laughs> or if he would have created us first, We'd have to be dodging trees that were popping up all over the place. He created us last. He created us on the sixth day. Genesis 1.24. He created every living creature, the cattle, the creeping thing, beast of the earth, cattle. Then he created us. Then he what? Created us. If you know anything about Jewish days, it's from sundown one day to sundown the next day. So when he created us, it was like towards the end of the day, and then dark came, and it was a seventh day. So he created mankind, and he waited until everything that he would ever need was already provided by grace. Let me say that again. He created mankind, and he waited until everything that that man would ever need was already provided by grace. Man didn't have to plant trees and wait, wait, wait on them to grow for seven years to harvest it. Man didn't have to say, oh God, create air for me to breathe. Did you know God created enough air on this planet to sustain right now over seven billion people? And he has given this planet the ability to cleanse the air? One stand of trees in Iceland can purify the air of the entire earth. You listen to me out here. Did you know there are two and a half times as many trees in the United States as there was when the first pilgrims came to the United States? Go search it out for yourself. See, here all this talking about 
how fragile the earth is. The earth is not fragile, folks. God made it so that they can deal with things. So the earth is not going to be destroyed by, by some global warming. But guess what? His grace has provided everything that you need. Everything that you would ever need, God has already provided. He provided it in the beginning of creation. All the money that you need, all the healing that you need, all the deliverance that you need, all, everything you need has already been provided, folks. In his what? Grace. And all he needs you to do is get in that Bible, renew your mind to realize what is already made available to you. That it's always been there, but you have not accessed it because why? You can only access it through faith. If you never know what's available, how can you get it? But then again, once you know it's available, then you got to believe it's available. Because I can know, I can read something and say, well, that's for somebody else, but not for me. So I got to get into the Word of God and I got to get my mind renewed. That's for me. I am supposed to be rich. I am healed. I am delivered. My family is whole. Because the Word of God says me and my entire household will be saved. So I'm renewing my mind with that. And what happens? The valve opens up on my mind. Now I'm starting to realize, wow, all that is already on the inside of me. Now I start to see it on the outside. But it was there all the time. But guess what? This right here blocked it. Because I couldn't comprehend that I'm already rich. I couldn't comprehend that I'm already healed. I couldn't comprehend that my family is already whole. I couldn't comprehend that I'm already perfect on the inside. I couldn't comprehend that my child is healed and whole and complete. My child is 10 times smarter than the average student. I couldn't comprehend it up here because why? That takes a mind renewal. So I'm not trying to change my spirit, which is perfect. I'm trying to get my mind to realize what my spirit's already made available to me. Because once that valve opens up, now a flood comes out. Now my car pops up. Now my house pops up. Now my job pops up. Now my business pops up. But it was in there all the time. But what happens? I got to renew my mind. How? With the what? With the what? What's in his word? Everything that he provides. But then I got to get in it enough so that I believe that what he provided is for me. Because why? I can read something and it sounds so way out there, it's hard for me to comprehend. So I got to keep reading it. I got to keep reading it. I got to keep reading it till my mind clicks. That is for me. Now my spirit says, about time. Now I can release what's already been there all the time. Amen. By faith are you saved through 
grace. It's through what? Grace. By grace, I say through faith. See, y'all didn't even catch me. I got it backwards. <laughs> Lift your hands to the Lord. Everything you need is already provided, folks. Faith and grace. Everything you need is already what? Provided. Hallelujah. So the question is, how are you going to get it? Through what? Through faith. But how do I get faith? Through the word of God. If I get the word of God, I get faith. If I get faith, I access what? Grace. Isn't that simple? But we make it so complicated and wonder why God ain't answering me. God said, I've done everything that I was going to do. I created everything that you already need. It's already in the world. All you can do is access it by what? By faith. I got to get my faith active. I got to get in the word. I got to find out what God has made available to me. Come on. Faith comes by what? Faith comes by what? Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything's been provided, folks. Glory to 